You're listening to Once, episode 261, The Other Shoe, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are happy that you joined us. If you want to share this episode with your friends or send us your feedback, get all of that information and more in the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 261. These are only our initial reactions, so we're going to be a bit all over the place in our thoughts. Some stuff will fall by the wayside. We'll get some stuff incorrectly, but that's where your feedback and our upcoming full discussion comes in. I'll tell you more about that later on. Jacqueline, what'd you think about this episode? I thought it was decent. I thought it was a pretty okay episode. There are definitely aspects I didn't like, although I thought some things were were good. There were definitely some stronger points. Yeah, I, I liked, well, I loved seeing Cinderella again. She's yes. one of those really special characters in Once Upon a Time that was there in season one. Remember in the first few episodes of season one, and she made reappearances throughout. She's not like Cora to me, where I cheer almost every time I see Cora is connected to someone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, seeing her and seeing Thomas and seeing the baby and also seeing that baby Neil was mentioned there was a crib although i don't think we actually saw baby neil but basically neil is there and uh, as well as references that we've been missing dopey is apparently going and getting his masters because somehow the dwarves found a way to untree him yeah <laughs> I, i'm i don't know to, how that works <laughs> i'm going to guess maybe his masters in something like broadcasting or communication that would be beautiful Probably something ironic. They like to do that a lot. Yeah. Uh, also, we got to see Gus. Fantastic oh, to see him. Oh, Gus was the star of this episode. Let's not lie. Yeah. That little mouse needs to reappear every episode. In fact, I would like a single episode of Gus and Sven from season four. That'll be on the Blu-ray. That'll They'll make be an the extra feature that'll be like Good Morning Storybrooke, but it's all just Gus and Sven. Yes, I'm fine with that. And maybe Pongo as the on-site reporter. <laughs> so the, I mean, for being an episode of Once Upon a Time, I thought it was a fun episode. For moving the story, the plot along. It did, did ne next to nothing. What do you think about the character development in it? I, well, I questioned whether or not there was any. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't move the plot of either Hyde or the evil queen or what was teased two episodes ago in season uh, in episode one with Jafar it didn't move any of that along I liked some of the smaller moments between Snow White and Prince Charming in the woods when they talked about is this our life now defeat and repeat that's a conversation that has needed to happen for several seasons yeah. because that literally is their life now so I'm glad that happened. I liked some of what Emma had to say in her session with Archie. I thought it was kind of introspective and and real. But as an episode of Once Upon a Time, like you said, good as far as fitting into the season and helping us reach an end point of this season or this current story, it didn't do much. 
Now, you said end point, and I know there are many different opinions on whether this should be the last season, but one of the things that I've said before is I'm not so sure I could see this being the last season because I don't see them setting up any kind of end game. That changes with this episode. I can see them setting up an end game, and that is making a life in Storybrooke, reopening the school, Snow White becomes a teacher again. Dr. Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll being teachers in the school. This is starting to kind of sound in game, as well as Emma's inviting Hook to live a life of almost no commitment with her, but under the same roof. Yes, I know I'm extremely biased on that. If you like it, put a ring on it. But a lot of this feels like it's setting up for end game. What do you think? I think the same. We have this this tease that was teased out in the very first episode of Emma having to fight this hooded figure and if she dies. And, you know, that really does feel endgame to me because if she defeats that, this ultimate mythological savior versus her ultimate villain, you know, if she defeats that, then she absolutely, from there, should get her happy ending. You know, there shouldn't have to be another story after that. And with her and Hook moving on, um, with her having resolved a couple seasons ago any kind of conflict with Regina, with her being at peace with her family and with her role, at least mostly in Storybrooke, then yes, this feels like they are looking to establish a normal life, which is kind of what we saw as the end of the show. We thought uh, maybe they would go back to the Enchanted Forest, but I think that they're establishing a life in Storybrooke as end game does make more sense. Now, Kitsis and Horowitz do know how they want to end the series, but that could mean simply they know what they want that last scene to be. And we've got plenty of theories and maybe they've listened to so, some of those theories and <laughs> suggestions. I, I was a bit conflicted with how they developed kind of Cinderella's character. Now, great to see more of the actual story for Cinderella, not the prequel, not the sequel, but more of the actual Cinderella story, but without having to retell the entire story. And I'm fine with their not retelling the whole Cinderella story. But I was a little confused by why is Ashley running off with a gun if she says she was the evil stepsister? That just didn't fit Ashley. Right. I I was very confused as to why she had the gun. It was like... The writers knew they wanted to create this drama of Cinderella needing to go hurt her stepsister. But then, you know, the turn of fortune is that, of course, she has to make something up to her stepsister. But then I was like, but why do you have the gun? It was kind of falsely laid drama. Yeah, I thought, oh, boy, wow, they're they're making Cinderella out to be a psychopathic killer. That's right. <laughs> quite a once upon a time twist. <laughs> right. No. Nope. nope. Uh, one of the things that surprised me, and it, I got really excited at first until I realized it wasn't what I thought it was, when Evil Queen poofed away or magicked Emma, Hook, and Henry, I thought she magicked them outside of Storybrooke. And I thought, oh, man, that's that's cool. They're trapped outside of Storybrooke. They have to try and figure out how to get in. They can't help anyone. They've been in a almost literal sense, but not really. But they've been moved off the chessboard. They can't even be playing pieces anymore because they can't get to Storybrooke. This is cool. This is going to be neat. No, that's not what happened. 
I actually thought the same thing. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, that's actually something we've never really seen is the heroes have to try and get back in. And then it was like, nope, she kind of just poofed him out to the end of the road and they just have to walk back home. Yeah. It's like they need a hero to come and pick them up and they could just stand by the side of the road with their thumbs out saying, I'm holding out for a hero, a hero to pick me up and drive me into town tonight. But hey, you know what heroes we have who pick us up and drive us into town? Even if we were outside of the barrier, we know our heroes would be so heroic to us and come and rescue us to the end of the night. So for this (laughs) for this episode, (laughs) I want to thank those wonderful not eighties style heroes, but very cool, very modern, very hip, very neat, very great with kids kind of heroes. Lisa Slack, David Newland, and our new Patreon hero, Jennifer Treese. Thank you very much for your kind support of One's Podcast. We also have 27 heroes on Patreon. Thank you very much. We could not do this podcast without you. You really do give the podcast a lift, and you keep things running. There are people we have to pay to make the podcast possible. There are companies, there are services that we pay for, and things that we have to buy in order to bring the podcast to you week after week, episode after episode, and even in the off-season when the show isn't on TV, the expenses still continue. So your support is fantastic. We really appreciate this, and we could not do this without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our heroes get access to our bloopers. I've got a bunch that I'll be publishing this week, so it will be this big wave of laughter that I'm sure you'll get. So make sure if you're on Patreon, you're supporting us that way, then make sure you log in so that you can get those bloopers and download those. There's even a way now you can subscribe to them via podcast through Patreon. You don't get our regular episodes at least not yet, but you do get the bloopers through podcast feed. If you want that option, go over to Patreon, but we have that link and the options to support our podcast over at oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Oncepodcast.com slash hero. What'd you think of Bell and Rumpel's going on with this episode? Well, I thought the message that he left for Bell and their child was sweet. And it was really nice to get to hear mostly Bobby's real Scottish accent. His real, real Scottish accent is actually much thicker. Um, So you can tell he kind of toned it down a bit for that recording. But I mean, he's making a step and she seems to be receptive of it. She seems to, after her talk with Charming, understand that fathers and sons need each other no matter what, you know, that relationship needs to be there, which is something we've been saying a lot of the forums, you know, that she kind of just wants to completely separate herself from Rumpel. And maybe that's understandable. But the fact is, is there's a child involved now. And you do have to take that child into account. And I don't mean more fetus and this crazy projection thing. So she seems open and receptive to Rumpel and what he's doing right now, which maybe means they're going to sit down and have a conversation about how to raise the child together, even if they are apart. Yeah. Now, what I think it could be a step in doing is endearing Rumple to Belle more because there's – and I'm not a wife. I'm not a mother. I never will be either of those things. But I am a husband and I am a father. And what I've learned about marriage is one of the things that really endears a wife to her husband is seeing the husband 
investing time in the family, even if it's not directly with her, but it's with the kids and the husband really going all out and being genuine, being a good father to the kids, getting down on their level. That can be something that really makes the wife love her husband even more. And when you look for that in things, you see it all over the place, like Pixar's movie Inside Out. There's a great example of that. But also in this episode, there was already an example of that. And that was when Hook started playing with uh, Cinderella's baby there and Emma looked over at him and you could see it in her eyes. She just thought, oh, wow, he is, he's so great with kids. I love him. And maybe that same kind of thing will start happening a little bit between Belle and Rumpel as well. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, for all his faults and for all the drama they've been through in the past few seasons, Belle does know or at least knew Rumpel's entire character. And I mean, he wasn't always this total black hat. You know, everything he was doing, whether it was morally duplicitous or not, was in the search of his child. He was a very committed father. He just had some troubles with you know, his own self-worth and giving up magic. But he was a committed father who loved his son very much and really went all out in order to find Balefire. So I kind of hope Bell remembers that, that he's not a horrible father, even if he might be not a great husband. Mm-hmm. Now, I was watching tonight with Jenny, my wife, and she suggested something that I thought, oh, I hope that's not what's happening, but great suggestion. And that is, what if Rumpel used the tape as some way that he could find out where Belle is? Because after all, when Belle started playing the tape, Rumpel was right there outside of the ship. Great. (laughs) Great. He magic tracked her. Great. That'll work out well for that relationship. I, I don't know if he has any kind of malicious intentions, and I don't want to assume that he does or that it was any kind of locator spell, but he probably is sincerely concerned. And he I don't really see him necessarily being stalker-like. It is kind of a stalker sort of thing to do, but I think he's more concerned about does Belle have a safe place to stay? Is she okay? Because all kinds of crazy things are happening here in Storybrooke right now. And I just want to know that she and the baby are okay. Yeah. Though, if he figures out that she's currently living aboard Hook's ship with Hook, I can't see that ending well. So if if, if he was trying to find her, you know, I'm kind of wondering what his reaction was to, oh, my wife is currently living with my mortal enemy. Well, Hook is now moving off because it sounds like Kirk is going well, to start being the live-in boyfriend. Does Rumpel know that, though? I mean, he wasn't present at Emma and Hook's conversation. True. So he all he knows is that his wife is currently shacking up with the pirate. Yeah, that could make things get really weird. Which, I mean, talk about history repeating, because Mila. Yeah. Well, you know, and talking about history repeating itself, too, this whole episode felt so much... Like the young Snow White and evil Queen Regina conflict from season one with the, you know, you killed my love and the relationship between Cinderella, the stepmother, the sisters, that whole Mm -hmm. thing just felt so much like they copied and pasted a little bit of the plot. Yeah. And, you know, there were 
Though, you know, to be positive, there were some nice references back to episode four from season one, The Price of Gold. Um, I loved Emma telling Ashley about you have to stand up for yourself and you have to punch back and say, no, this is who I am. That saying from that episode from 104 has kind of become Emma's mantra and sort of the one saying that sticks with her character through all the seasons that the fandom is constantly bringing up. You know, if you want to describe Emma in one line, people use that line. So it was nice to to get that again. Yeah. So now Hyde is running loose, <laughs> thanks to the Evil Queen. Yeah, I kind of like them together. They are so over the top in their villainy and their evilness <laughs> that they're just so entertaining to watch. What's the ship name for that? I know you're a lot more in tune with what the community is saying. Do we have a ship name for them? I've heard a couple. I've heard Ride, R-Y-D-E. I've also heard Evil Warden. Mm -hmm. So I, I have no doubt that there are people out there who are very happy tonight with the way that particular ship progressed. Maybe they will find their true love and realize, oh, we don't need to destroy the town because we have each other. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Although we've seen how that has not always played out that way before. So I'm kind of concerned with a little bit of retconning. I don't know if I want to call it big retconning yet or not. I may have to watch the episode again. But we got another reference or at least a callback to Cinderella meeting Rumpelstiltskin, which was back in that episode, Price of Gold. And she did talk about sort of the deal she made with him. And the fact that I guess Rumpel got that key that we saw last week from Cinderella. However, that, of course, was never in episode four. And I'm so confused as to where this key even came from, why Cinderella's mother had it, and how she knew what to do with it. And, yeah. like, how did Rumpel even learn about this key? Well, and I mean, I, I know it's Rumpel, but... Is that even the key that then Rumpel gets? Or are there multiple keys that circulate kind of like magic beans where people know about who has keys or these keys are passed on? So there are several. One key to rule them all or is it several keys? Yeah, good point. I mean, because in Price of Gold, she signs the contract. She gives up her firstborn. Hmm. But, you know, it to me, it sounded like there was another step in the deal that, of course, hadn't been written back in episode four that they inserted by way of narration this week with this idea that she – I don't know, something about with the key. Because I'm so confused about this key <laughs> and where it came from and how Rumpel knew about it and why it was created or even just how the land of untold stories was created and how anybody knows about it. I do want to see – when we rewatch this episode for our upcoming full discussion, whether Lady Tremaine took the key with her, because that's kind of what it looked like probably happened, is that yeah. she took the key, which makes me think there are multiple keys. Right, because how could Cinderella give Rumple the key and then Lady Tremaine have it again? Exactly. So, I don't know. Hopefully this key thing gets worked out, because I'm kind of confused. Whether you're as confused as we kind of feel on some of these things, or maybe you've got it all figured out, or you have some theories to it, we would like to hear from you for our upcoming full discussion, which we normally record on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Go to the website, oncepodcast.com slash 261, and our contact information is in the show notes for this episode. Our email address, phone number, you can send a voice message through the website to send us your thoughts and theories that we can try to incorporate 
into our upcoming full discussion so we can get a grip on what's going on with this episode. Again, that is in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 261. Now, even if you can't afford to support the podcast or you don't have any theories to send in, what you can do you and everyone you know can do that can really help us is go to oncepodcast.com slash 261 and share the episode with your fellow Once Upon a Time fans. If they're not listening to the podcast, show them how to subscribe to the podcast. And thank you for subscribing to the podcast. I do have one final point, and I'm going to bring this up. Um, For those who don't know, this episode was actually spoiled at New York City Comic Con this past weekend. So we've been talking about it a lot over at the forums. Speaking of New York Comic Con, Matthew Paul was there and he watched the Once Upon a Time panel and shared his thoughts and uh, summary of what happened at the panel with this. So that is at the website oncepodcast.com. Check it out. Caution, though. It does contain some spoilers, but also some other cool insights. So that's one of the recent blog posts over at oncepodcast.com. So the elephant in the room is a red one, and it goes by the name of Anastasia. (laughs) If you remember back in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, Uh one of the big popular theories that we felt pretty certain was 100% true given all the clues. And for those who don't remember the clues, you can go to the forums and look at a thread that one of our users, Cranin, has recently started about all the clues that really led us to this theory, which is that Anastasia, the Red Queen, was Cinderella's stepsister. Yeah, I remember that now. Because in the Disney movie, the two stepsisters are Anastasia and Drusilla. And you'll notice that they completely changed the names in tonight's episode. Yeah, Clorinda and I forget the other one's name. Yeah, some some sort of weird name that I can't pronounce. And there's a lot of upset feelings about this right now, about the fact that at New York City Comic Con, Adam and Eddie were asked directly about Anastasia and the fact that this episode kind of just sweeps past all of Wonderland and... The the reply later on Twitter about this was that they never explicitly said it. So therefore, while Wonderland is canon, Anastasia is definitely not the stepsister. But all those clues were there and they weren't small hints. They were really big hints. So that's kind of a big disappointment for a lot of people that really liked Wonderland and liked the character of Anastasia. Yeah, that would have been a nice connection. Although it was nice to hear that they do acknowledge Wonderland is canon. That's something we've kind of questioned. Right. It is canon. But even if they couldn't get Emma Rigby, who played Anastasia, back, I wish they could have found a way to make Anastasia the stepsister. Because it was so obvious in Wonderland that they were going for that. I mean, the clues, like I said, they're there. They're big. And when they kind of then say, nope, we never meant to do that. You guys are reading too much into it. It was never canon. I'm like, but we're intelligent. We know what we see. We know how to piece things together. We've been doing it for quite a while now. Just find a way to make it work. Yeah, that would be nice to see. Uh, I don't know if they will, because many times the fans will attach things and find all of these clues. And we've certainly done this before. We find all of these clues that connect things together. And it turns out we were completely wrong, even though there were all of these clues lying around that did seem to connect things together. But that's that's quite unintentional on the part of the writers. Mm, I don't know if it was unintentional so much as they are kind of hoping that anyone who watches right now didn't watch Wonderland and didn't have this in their heads. (laughs) Perhaps. Perhaps. 
Well, please send us your feedback for our upcoming full discussion on Wednesday at 7 p.m. And remember to join us Sunday nights if you're in Eastern or Central time. You can hang out with us and chat during the show if you're in Central or Eastern time. And that's over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And then we record our initial reactions about 15 minutes after the live TV show airs. That's over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jacqueline, and you can find me on Twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Please go to the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 261 for our contact information to send us your thoughts and theories and share this episode out with your family and friends. And until next time, remember, every shoe belongs to a foot. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be a hero to the podcast too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.